0: Amen, amen, and amen. Let's put our hands together. Come on, if the Lord has been good to you, put your hands together. Amen, amen, and amen. I, I thank the Lord for the hand of the Lord. Strong Tower Church, here you are celebrating 28 years of God's faithfulness. And it's not been because of your own ingenuity, though I know you have it. It's not been because your own lovability, be, because, but I know, I know you are lovable. But, but it's been because the hand of the Lord Amen. has been faithful. He's been faithful. He's been, he's been good. He's been better to you than you have been to yourself. I, I, I know that. I, I know that. I, I can look at the love and the joy that you have as a congregation for one another and, and, and in the Lord. And I can, I can, that, that's not something that you can give to yourself. That's a, that's a special package. That's a special UPS package that Jesus had to wrap up and, and especially put your name on it and, and give it to you. So I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for you. Thank the Lord for the Williamson family. They have shown us tremendous, unusual love. Uh, Since we've been here in gospel ministry here in Nashville, Tennessee, I thank the Lord for my family. and Dr. Christina Edmondson, my dear wife, uh, and my daughters, and our cousin Raylan, who came with us as well. We are grateful, just so grateful, to be in your presence here celebrating this auspicious occasion. I want to, uh, before we go to the word, just give one more hand to the Williamson family. Uh, We could do better. We came here when we moved back to Nashville a few years ago uh, in the midst of a global pandemic and time of great national polarization in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Um, we, we really stepped out on God's promises about what is possible here in Nashville in the way of a multiracial church. And, uh, and, and it was the Williamson's that reached out to us and, and invited us to dinner and came and, and, and encouraged us in various occasions. And we knew when we got here that we were not alone. We knew that, uh, that the Lord had already been at work Amen. here in Nashville. And for, for it, those of you who has been in, uh, in, in multiracial ministry any length of time, you know that's a particular calling. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Those who labor in multiracial ministry know that's a special ops of ministry. That's that's a special calling with special skills and special challenges and special burdens, but also special opportunities. And and the Williamson family, uh, again, encouraged us in the Lord, uh, have walked with us, been faithful family since we have been here. And so we thank the Lord for you. There is a word from the Lord on this morning. And uh, I want to, by God's grace, lift up Mark chapter 4, Mark Mark chapter 4 on this morning, uh, verses 26 through 29, verses 26 through 29, you can turn there, amen, and when you have it, say amen, 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 Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 going through 29, this is God's word, Because the harvest has come. By God's grace, I want to preach this morning from the thought, hope in hard times, a gospel to grow up on. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it on this morning. Turn to your neighbor. Come on, anniversary. Just just have some love today. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. there there is hope in hard times. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. grow up, grow up. Amen. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. <clears throat> One sweltering July night in AD 64, a fire broke out in the merchant district of the city of Rome. The fire spread uncontrollably, burning for six days and seven nights, killing hundreds, leaving thousands homeless, and eventually consuming nearly three-quarters of the city. However, the blaze mysteriously left the emperor Nero's estates and his land holdings completely unscathed. Soon, rumors began swirling about whether the emperor himself may have started the fire in order to make way for a new palace. Some even said they saw him sitting on the summit of his palace playing his lyre as the flames devoured the city below. In order to deflect these accusations, Nero decided to find a political scapegoat. He decided to blame the fire on an obscure, relatively relatively small religious sect in the empire known as the Christians. The emperor ordered the arrest of a few Christian disciples who, under the pain of torture, named other Christians until the entire Christian populace of Rome was falsely implicated and became targets of the Roman Empire's retribution. As many Christians were being slandered and harassed and tortured and even put to death in brutal ways across the city of Rome, Mark's gospel began secretly circulating among them. Although they had already known Jesus as the mighty friend of sinners, as they read the words of Mark's gospel, they began to see him as the mighty friend of suffering. Christians in Rome found themselves driven from their homes into the lonely catacombs of the city. They heard about the Savior who began his ministry by going into the lonely wilderness and doing battle with Satan, Mark chapter 1. They found themselves slandered and forsaken by family and friends, misunderstood because of their witness for Christ. They heard about the Messiah who was slandered by the teachers of the law, called crazy by his family, misunderstood Mark chapter 3. You see, there was no hardship that they could experience in Nero's Rome that King Jesus did not personally understand. Yet as we enter Mark chapter 4, we realize that Jesus does not only understand our sufferings, but he sends us his power to grow us up through them. The resources of the Roman Empire aimed against the fledgling church and their collective backs up against the wall with no military, no connections, no idea how they will go on. They suddenly hear this parable in Mark chapter four that compares the kingdom of God to a seed that sprouts and grows first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And as they heard these words... They would have been thrilled with this rock-solid promise that let them know that whether times were good or whether times were bad, whether times were easy or whether times were incredibly hard, that the reign of God's grace and the saving righteousness of God will continue to go on. I believe some saints at Strong Tower can testify today over the past two And a half decades of gospel ministry that sometimes times can be strange. Sometimes circumstances could be funny, but through it all, God is faithful. That there's nothing in all of creation, not even a global pandemic, not even polarized times, not even strange administrations in the White House. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so in the midst of ups and downs... In the midst of good times and bad times, the good news is the power of God and the promise of God and the purposes of God will keep right on marching on until it produces its intended fruit in your life. And that's good news, y'all. Good news indeed. I'm so glad for a gospel like that today. I'm so glad for a gospel that is not situationally limited and bound. I'm so glad that we've got a good shepherd that walks with us on the mountain, but so enough walks with us down in the valley. The good news, beloved, of the growing seed is not that we won't have trouble. Because the sister Dorina said earlier, if if you've never had some trouble, just keep living. Just keep living. Just keep living. But, but, but the good news is that King Jesus can give us growth and maturity and, and sanctification and victory in the face of trouble. There's a lot of people who are disillusioned today because all they ever heard was a gospel for people on the top. A gospel for success and happiness. And we, if we're not careful, can find ourselves doing discipleship in Christianity for people on the top, people on the emotional top. People on the economic top, people on the social and political top, people on the health and relationship top. But I'm so glad that the real gospel is a gospel that comes to the top but also goes to the bottom. I'm so glad that the real gospel is a gospel that finds people in good times and finds people in some sure enough bad times. The real gospel. You see, in Old Testament times, when the people of God were a nation state, they had very few years of national peace. You, you can look back at the record of redemptive history and you see that, 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 that things were a little bit chill sometimes during the reign of David. And things were a little bit chill sometimes during the reign of Solomon, but all the rest of them years. Come on, all the rest of them years. It was, it was, they, they was on Struggle Street. All the rest of them years. They, it was, it was, it was. It was <laughs> It was messy Mondays and terrible Tuesdays and weak Wednesdays and thirsty Thursdays. Come on, somebody! Failure Fridays. Come on! It was some struggle street going on, and 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 I can, I understand that because we can relate to that. The reason that's in the scriptures is because that's the way life is. They were rarely on the top. There were centuries of slavery and exile. And whether it was the Moabites or the Edomites or the Assyrians or, or the Egyptians or the Babylonians, there was always somebody, seemed like somebody was threatening to take God's people out. But across redemptive history, whether the times were good, but especially when they were bad, the Jerusalem Mass Choir would come out with their tambourines and their cymbals and the praise warriors and 1 1 Chronicles 16 and 2 Chronicles 5 and 2 Chronicles 7 and 2 Chronicles 20 and Ezra 3. They, They would come out and they would sing the words of Psalm 136, which says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the king of kings, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. And the good news, beloved, of Mark chapter 4, the good news of the growing seed is that his mercy endures forever. Whether I'm laughing at a birthday party or weeping over at Greenwood Cemetery, his mercy endures forever. Whether I'm sitting at the YMCA as the picture of health or whether I'm sitting over at Vanderbilt University Cancer Treatment Center, his mercy endures forever. Whether whether, whether times emotionally are good or whether I'm in the grip of anxiety and depression his mercy endures forever and there's so sure enough good news for us beloved especially those of us who got some chronic stuff in our life come on somebody some people that got some chronic losses in your life and and some chronic dysfunction in your life and some chronic disappointments in your life and some chronic struggles and issues in the life Well, the good news today baby if you got some chronic mess in your life his mercy endures yeah. forever No matter how hard the situation is, no matter how bleak it is, no matter how impossible it looks, his mercy endures forever. His mercy is able to grow us up into Christ's likeness, into his purposes that he has called us to both in our life and in the church and in the world. So I want to lift up by God's grace on this morning. Three reasons for hope in hard times. Three reasons for hope in hard times. First of all, here's reason number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. In hard times, God grows us up mysteriously. In hard times, God grows us up mysteriously. Look at what the pastor says. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. Now listen to this. He knows not how. He knows not how. I want to focus on that phrase, he knows not how. That, that places us in the realm of mystery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that places us in the realm of God is doing some things and, and we can't even figure it out. You, you, you see, these words put us in the realm of intellectual humility. If I were to put my philosophical hat on, I would call it epistemic humility, epistemic humility, that's that's, you don't know what you don't know, that's that that kind of stuff, you know, see, before the days of microscopes and modern botany, farmers scattered seed by faith, you went out and you you don't know what's going on with this seed, but it's always been working like this, and I just, I don't know what's going on in that seed, I just know when I put it in the ground, something's gonna happen, And and, and they didn't understand how it happened, but they but they scattered seed by faith. And so Mark's gospel was written in a context where people did not know how the church was going to go on. They didn't know how they were going to go on. And and I believe that some of us can relate to that. I believe some of us have been in some situations. You looked at your relationship and you didn't know how you was going to go on. Come on, somebody. You looked at some family struggles, you didn't know how you was going to go on. You, you, you looked at a, 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 a child situation, didn't know how you would go on. Looked at certain ministry, didn't know how it was going to go on. Did not know how God's purpose, how God's power, how God's promises would possibly go on. But this parable is promising us when it says he knows not how. It's letting us know that that, that, that this promise goes on, this power goes on. Even when we can't figure out how you see, because God's power is not limited by what our eyes can see or what our minds can conceive or what our imaginations can fathom. You you, you see, there's there's a historic Christian confession that, that calls God incomprehensible. I love that, incomprehensible. Incomprehensible, that means God's work is too vast and too deep and too wide for us to fully comprehend in our finite minds. It means that God is operating infinitely above our intellectual pay grade. It means while we playing checkers, God is playing 4-D chess. Come on, somebody. But one song says, while you trying to figure out, come on, somebody. God has already worked it out. And so, beloved, the incomprehensibility of God means we can never afford to give up on hope based on what our eyes can see and based on what our minds can imagine. You see, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this. Ask the question, who has known the mind of God that he can instruct him? That's basically saying who can tell God how to run his show? Can tell God how to run His show. Y'all remember when Job tried to tell God how to run His show? Job started off well, but all you know, kind about midway throughout the book, Job started struggling something must be wrong here. Wait a minute. If I could just talk to God face to face, I I would have something to say to the Lord. And and, and then God in his mercy and his kindness and his condescending grace stepped off the throne of glory and came down in a cloud and and, and had a face-to-face conversation with Job. And God God didn't just make uh, make statements God started to ask Job a series of questions now you, you, you know you be in for something when God started asking you some questions and here's what God asked Job God said where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth and the implication is that if I can uphold the foundation of this whole planet Job don't you know I can uphold the foundation of your life And then Job goes on, and, hey, and then God goes on to ask Job some more questions. He said, can you leave the constellations out in their seasons? Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> the implication is if I can bring a hundred billion stars forth in due season, don't you believe I can bring your redemption forth and your deliverance forth in due season? And the amazing thing is that God never did give Job the answer as to what the future held. But Job was satisfied knowing who held the future. It was good news to Job when he realized that God was operating way above his pay grade. It was good news when he realized that God is working a plan deeper and broader and wider than he could ever have imagined. So we can never judge our situation based on what our eyes can see or our our imagination can think. Ephesians 3.20 said, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond what we can imagine or think according to the power at work within us. Oh, I love that part that says within us. You know, it'd be one thing if God could just do amazing things out there. My goodness. But I love it when he says according to the power that's working within us because that brings out there right in here into my living room. That brings out there right in here into my situation. God is doing more, not just out there, but in my life and through my life than I could ever imagine. Through your life than you could ever imagine. Through Strong Towers ministry than you could ever imagine. one psalm says that your thoughts of me are more than the sand on the seashore and I know we sing that song 10,000 reasons but do you know how much sand is on the seashore (laughs) it's way more than 10,000 grains of sand on the seashore I mean, I heard I read, I read one estimate that says it is more like 2.7 sextillion. Sextillion is, is 2.7 times 10 to the 27 amount of grains of sand on the sea. So that, 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 that's a, that's a bigger number that you can ever fathom or think or imagine. And what that means is that God's plans for you, God's God God's thoughts for you, God's goodness for you, God's work for you are more way more than you could ever imagine or think. thank you. And so, just because you can't figure out how one plan is gonna work, don't worry. The Lord has got 7.2 times 10 to the 27 plans. It work for you. I love that part that says, verse 27 says, he sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. I love it that it starts with he sleeps and rises night. You know what that means? That means this brother was worried. Come on, somebody. This brother was just like us. He sowed that seed, he went to bed, and his eyes went straight over. He was like, Lord have mercy, I should be asleep. Let me turn on this side and see if I can go to sleep. Lord have mercy, I'm still awake. Let's see if I can turn this side and go to sleep. Oh my goodness, I'm still awake. This brother was, he got so messed up, he said, well, man, I might as well go get me a drink of water. He went and got the water drank his water, got back into bed, got back up again. And so the Lord Jesus is telling on us, telling us, you know, I know y'all worry. I know y'all worried. I know y'all get up at night. I know y'all can't sleep at night. I know y'all get get, get, get messed up, you know. So, so, so he rose night, which means he was where He had some problems. He had some issues. He had some stuff that got next to him at night. And he turned and, and worried. And I know the saints in Rome had some sleepless nights. And I know y'all had some sleepless nights too. But even when you're having sleepless nights, even when you can't understand how you're going to make it, the seed was still sprouting and working all along. I'm so glad for that. That God's word don't just work when you believe it's working. Oh, my goodness. God will mess around and make a promise, and then you say, man, I don't know about that promise, and God will just, hey, let me, come on over here. You let, me, let me talk a little bit about Abraham. Abraham wasn't always the man of faith. Abraham struggled. What do you think that whole Hagar situation was about? That, that, that was that. Oh man, that was Abraham tossing and turning. It. I don't know how this thing is going to work out. I don't think I don't know how this thing's going to work out. But I'm so glad that the seed of God's promise was still sprouting and working all the time. And so God is still working stuff out on your behalf, whether you believe it or not. Boy, that's good news, y'all. And we ought to have faith, but I'm so glad in a God whose grace is not limited by our faith, but a God whose grace creates faith in our heart. I'm so glad for that. God ain't intimidated by your doubts. God is working it out anyway. I'm going to do it whether you believe me or not. God is still working. And God's ability to work beyond our imagination, beloved, I want to tell you it's seen most clearly at the cross. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Y'all know that that, that the scriptures had declared that the Messiah would be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus knew this, and Jesus declared it over and over again to his apostles and his disciples, but it seemed like they just could not fathom that this is actually true. Even though it was in the scriptures, they just, y'all remember Peter when the Lord told him about how he was going to have to uh, 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 be, be betrayed into the hands of sinners and that they would cruelly treat him and, and, and Peter started rebuking Jesus. He was so full of himself, so full of doubt, he, threw, he, thought, he, he thought he knew better than Jesus. And, 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 and so they could not fathom how God could work through a suffering situation and they constantly doubted it. But on the other side of the resurrection, when they look back on the crucifixion, they realize that in in their darkest hour, God was still working. Even when everything looked like it was lost, God was still working. When it hurt and they were afraid, God was still working. When it looked like injustice had won the day, God was still working. When it looked like Jesus was buried dead and gone, God was still working. When it looks like all hopes had been crashed against the rock, God was still working. When it all looked like their dreams had turned into nightmares, God is still working. And are you glad today when all looks impossible? God is still working. you're a child of God today, God is still working. If you've been claimed by the promises and are claiming the promises of God today, God is still working. If you've got the Holy Spirit at work in your life, God is still working. God is still working. One author said it this way. One author said the very situations we wish were the most different are the very situations in which God is working most deeply those are the very situations in which God has determined to get himself some glory. I, I know that the apostles can testify that it was my worst situation. That was a situation in which God brought me salvation. God was working most deeply. Here's my second point. In hard times, God grows us up divinely. We've talked about how God grows us up mysteriously, but also God grows us up divinely. Verse twenty-eight. It says, "The earth produces by itself. The earth produces by itself." The Greek word the text uses is "automate," which, from where we get the word "automatic." Automatic. Come on now. When you say, "When you know when it's automatic," come on now. When it's automatic, yeah, that, that that means that means regardless of circumstances, regardless whether I do anything, baby, it's automatic. It's going to happen. It means self-prompted. It means acting apart without outside instigation. And so the point here is that the farmer does not have the power to make life come forth from the seed. The farmer can't sustain the seed. The farmer can't mature the seed. But, 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 But there's a power at work within the seed. Right? There's a power at work within God's word. God is. If, whenever God speaks his word, God already puts the automate. He already puts the life. He already puts the strength. He already puts the power in it to, to accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. Right. And, and here's the thing. You know, beloved, we are part of this work, but we don't have the power to fulfill God's promises in our life. We don't have the power to make this thing happen. Listen, in, in hard times, we've got to realize that God is our strength. Remember God promised Abraham and Sarah a child when they were way past their childbearing years, when all the equipment was expiration (laughs) date. And the reason God did it that way was to show that salvation belongs to the Lord. It means that if we're ever going to be saved at all, God has got to do all the saving. All the saving, all every little bit of the saving, not, 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 not 69%, not 89%, not 99%. If you're going to be saved, God has got to do 100%, all the saving, all the saving. And, that, and again, that was one of the great lessons that we learned from the cross. Because y'all remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? The apostles were not on their A-game. Y'all remember that that, that, that the scripture had declared, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And the apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane in the moment of truth, when they should have been up praying for themselves. Yeah. Now, you know it's bad when you can't even pray for yourself. <laughs> they they were they, they so weak, they couldn't even pray for themselves. And, 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 and they fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, but the last thing they remember seeing before they fell asleep was Jesus was still praying. Come on, somebody. They, 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 they ran home when, 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 the, when the going got tough, and, and they shut themselves away, and they fled from the scene, but Jesus was still faithful. Peter remembered that he had betrayed the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times he denied the Lord. And the Lord, in that moment when the rooster crowed, looked back And I believe it wasn't. I don't believe it was a look of judgment. I believe it was a look of commitment and love. Oh, my goodness. A look of commitment of love to let Peter know even though you've betrayed me. Oh, even though you've forsaken me. Even though you've turned your back on me, I still have not turned my back on you. Uh, even, though you have, even though you have run out of strength, even though you have run out of faithfulness, even though you have run out of righteousness, I've still got enough righteousness for all of us. And so Jesus looks back at, at, at Peter in order to show him that I'm doing the work here. Even though the sisters, the women, they were more courageous than the brothers, but they were socially limited. They could only stand at a distance. And watch as their master was strung between heaven and earth. And the reason they were were kept back is because Jesus had to do all the work. God had to do all the saving. Jesus took complete responsibility for our salvation on his back. And he bore our sins and brought us salvation. And that's good news, y'all. Listen, beloved, we put effort in. We put effort in, we strive, and we work, and we pray, and we love, and we do these things. We put the effort in, but from top to bottom, this thing is empowered by the hand of God. Each morning, when I drop my my daughter off to school, high school, we see another dad driving his daughter to school. Uh, He's riding one of those tag along bikes y'all ever heard of these tag along bikes these are these are the kind of bikes where 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 uh, in certain neighborhoods, you see a parent in the front and they they, they pedaling and they pedaling and they pedaling. And then there's a little bit, there's a seat in the back, and the seat, all and the seat, all that there's there's pedals in the back. And and so the little this little girl, uh, she's driving to a nearby elementary school with her dad. She's probably about five years old, and she got her helmet on, and she and when I tell you she's pedaling with all her might, she's <laughs> pedaling with all her might. I mean, she's just spinning, you know, she's going. Never seen pedals spin this fast, and and, and 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 then dad is just riding. He just you know, he he's chilling, he's chilling. They glide, he's chilling, he's chilling. She's just going on all her might, she's going with all her might. She looks so intense, and she's looking intense as if this ride depends on her. Come on, somebody, hey, hey, listen here, beloved. When you joined up to Jesus. You joined up to a tag-along bike. Yes, you pray. Yes, you fight. Yes, you sing. And you're doing it with all your might. You're doing it with all your might. And you're doing it as if this ride depends on you. As if this thing depends on you. But I'm so glad that it don't. I'm so glad that that, that, that when you find yourself tired and struggling and ready to give up, there's still a heavenly parent that's in the front still peddling all along. Oh, my goodness. And what does that mean? That means the strength of your life. That means the direction of your life, and that means the assurance of your life. Don't depend on you. It depends on the Lord. And so when you find yourself struggling, as long as Jesus is still peddling, I know I'm going to make it. If you find yourself without strength, as long as Jesus is still peddling, I know I'm going to make it. Even if you find yourself ready to give up, you can just say, as long, Lord Jesus, as you are still in this, as long as you are still peddling, I know I'm going to get there. Ain't that good news, y'all? That's good news indeed That's good news indeed It means that the Lord has given all the growth here The Lord has given all the salvation here The the fact that this farmer could sow the seed And then this thing grows up the blade and the ear and the full grain in the ear. It means that, 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 that every little bit of growth was not owing to the farmer's ingenuity, right. but it was owing to the power already in the seed. Right. Yeah. And, and and beloved, if you got a sprout in your life, come on, somebody. I didn't ask you if you had a whole uh, a head of grain, a grain, full grain in your life. you got a sprout in your life. You ought to give God some praise because that sprout belongs to the Lord. And some of us need to be able to testify. I know that some of us look at our life and say, my goodness, I wish I was a little further along in this thing. I wish I was a little further along because sometimes the Christian life looks like two steps forward and three steps back. I don't know how many times you started on that one-year Bible and boy, my goodness. (laughs) Here we go. Somewhere around Leviticus, it just started getting hard. (laughs) i will be trying. I want to read your word, Lord. I want to do this, Lord. (laughs) You know, Lord. I don't understand all them sacrifices and things. Let me just skip a few pages and get on the... (laughs) Y'all know how it is. Y'all know how it is, but but, but, but I'm so glad that even if you got enough sprout in your life to want to read Leviticus, to want to get through the four-year Bible, you think gave you that sprout? Hey, that was King Jesus. I'm so glad somebody that although I'm not all that I ought to be, I'm not what I used to be. And if I'm not what I used to be, if I can say today that there's a sprout in my life, that that there's an ear in my life, that I can thank God that Lord, you gave me the sprout. You gave me the ear. You have been faithful and somebody ought to be able to look back on their life today. Look back on this ministry today and say the growth that is here, the people that have come, the lives that have been changed, the impact for the kingdom that has been made, it's because King Jesus smiled down on Strong Tower Church. King Jesus looked at your life and looked at this ministry and decided to give you that special blessing. And that's to the glory of God. Every bit of growth Every bit of, uh, of, of grace belongs to the Lord. And here's the final point. In hard times, God grows us up fruitfully. 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 In verse 28, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. I love this. Because we get a picture of fruitful, great, fruitful growth even in the face of suffering. Now... The saints that were suffering in Rome at that time, they were just trying to hang on in hard times. Because in hardships, we expect partial growth. Or, or, or we just expect, we just want to, we just, look here, let me just, let, let, let's just be honest here. When, 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 when times get hard, you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to cope. Come on, you just said, Lord, I just want to stay a Christian right now. I just want to stay saved right now. Right? Ken Jones used to have have a song, I'm going to stay saved. You just want to stay saved. Some of us just want to cope and survive in the Christian life. But I love it that right here, Jesus is not just giving us a picture of coping and surviving. He's giving us a picture of thriving and flourishing. Man, and what that means is that Jesus, I love it, Jesus uh, Jesus is not just laying down a bunt. Jesus is not just giving us a single. Jesus is not, come on somebody, Jesus is not just giving us a double. Jesus is swinging for the grand slam. Jesus is swinging <laughs> for the fences. I love it, and that sounds so antithetical to what we would expect. Lord, we just want these people to hang on, but Jesus shows himself the strongest. When we find ourselves the weakest, Jesus gives the greatest growth when we find ourselves at the end of our rope. Jesus, how my God, and I love that. I love that. Didn't, didn't, Didn't the Apostle Paul have that testimony? How he had a thorn in his flesh and went to the Lord and over and over again trying to get the Lord to remove that thorn, but the Lord Jesus let that thorn stay there. He said, My grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect. Listen, not when you got it all together. My strength is made perfect. Not when you got a whole bunch of money in your pocket. My strength is made perfect. Not when when skies are sunny and everything is going well and you got a lot of strength in your life. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Sister Johnny Erickson title. Some some of you all may, uh, may have heard of her. She has had a lifelong situation of weakness and suffering that has not changed. On July 30th, 1967, when she was only 17 years old, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay after misjudging the shallowness of the water. She had a fracture. She sustained a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae and became paralyzed from the shoulders down and has been in that condition since 1967 confined to a wheelchair ever since. And during Tata's two years of rehabilitation, according to her autobiography, Johnny, she experienced anger, depression, suicidal thoughts, and religious doubts. But over time, she realized that the Lord had never left her side. Over time, she realized that, that God was with her in a special way. And... and, and, and and in and, and her little booklet, there's a little booklet entitled Hope where she imagines a conversation with Jesus in heaven about her wheelchair. And she said, I would be standing beside him with my new glorified body on grateful, glorified legs. And this is what I would say to the Lord. This is what she says. She said, I would say to him, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? She said, you were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble. Because that thing has been a whole lot of trouble. But she says, but Lord, I thank you because the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. And Lord, it never would have happened have you not given me the blessing of that wheelchair. And so what I love today is that in Christ, every place of pain is also a place of God's purpose, and sanctifying presence. In Christ, every place of hardship can also be a place of growth in holiness. In Christ, every situation of adversity can also be a situation where God can grow you up more. You see, because when God lets the heat turn up in your life, he will not let it destroy you or ruin you. God will use the heat of adversity to refine you and to grow you. He can purge you of some stuff that you would not be purged of unless you went through some adversity, unless you went through some heat, unless you had some problems and some struggles. And it's amazing because the Lord can, can, can teach you some things through adversity. He can purge our self-reliance and teach us dependence on God and others through adversity. He can purge our insensitivity and teach us empathy and compassion toward other sufferers. He can turge our ingratitude and teach us to thank him for every breath and every little thing we so easily take for granted. Over the past year, I had a situation. I, I reached the age of surgeries. Lord have mercy. It wasn't until I got on up into my 40s and, and me moving toward my mid-40s, I had never had a surgery before in my whole life. I have been blessed indeed. And then over the past year, suddenly, I had a situation going on with my my wrist. I had a situation going on with my knee. And I had two surgeries back to back. I was down and I had medicines and I had surgeries and I had all kinds of things going on. And and, and you know what it taught me? It taught me to be grateful for little simple things that I had taken for granted. I didn't realize how good it feels to be able to move my leg. Until I couldn't move my leg. I didn't realize how good it is to be able to move my arm until I couldn't move my arm. And when I was laid out and, and, my, and my precious wife was, was, was attending to me and making sure I was all right, I just kept thinking, Lord, thank you. Thank you for my wife, amen. <laughs> thank you for my wife, yes, Lord. <laughs> thank you for my friend, thank you. you be, hey, bro, you helped me out right there. Thank you, brother. That was a handoff. That was a Holy Ghost alley Amen. <laughs> thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for health care. But I was also saying, Lord, thank you for every time you let me get out of that bed and be able to move my leg. Lord, thank you for every time you let me get out of that bed and move my arm. And so now when I get up out of the bed, I thank the Lord for the ability to move. I thank the Lord. I'm not up here taking this opportunity to walk around for granted. I thank God because the Lord let me be here. It did not have to be that way. And if you can say, oh my goodness, I got a little few aches and pains, but on the whole, God has been merciful and good. And even when the aches and pains came, I never knew how good it felt to feel good until I felt bad. So now I can thank God on the other side. Here's the thing about the Lord. The Lord will send you through some things to make you grateful. And when when your gratitude goes up, your joy goes up. Oh, my goodness. See, here's the thing. Listen here. The Lord will allow you to go through hardships, not for your sadness, but for your joy on the other side. Because the Lord knows, listen here, you, you're not going to be grateful being walk around until you have a situation where you can't walk around. You're not going to be grateful for some money until you have a situation where you ain't got no money. You're not going to be grateful for some friends until you got a situation where you ain't got no friends. And so now, I'm going to let you go through this situation so when you come out on the other side, you will give God the praise and you will have the true joy that you should have had all the time. Ain't God good? And so God is good in every situation. God can purge you in every situation. God can prune you in every situation. And God can make you look more like Jesus in every situation. So, beloved, I want to leave you with this. You can trust Jesus with your tears. You can trust Jesus with your hardships. You can trust Jesus with your struggles. You can trust Jesus because Jesus is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Yes, amen.
1: Remain standing, remain standing. That was a whole word right there. Wow. Amen. Wow. And coming next month, I believe the October 15th, his wife is coming to share a word here at Strong Tower. So uh, y'all be ready for that. Strap your seatbelt on. All right. uh, We heard Felicia get your children and meet us in the fellowship hall. I'm not quite sure what we're serving, uh, but it's going to be food. So let's pray together. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think and it's according to the power that is working within us to jesus be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forevermore and all of god's people said amen amen Amen. happy anniversary strong tower We'll see you down in the fellowship hall.